And it was also a relief because it was like, oh, I'm not crazy. I really was working hard. Um, I really was doing the best I could. My brain just works differently. And it's not necessarily wired to be successful in a more traditional academic setting. Hey, Mama. What do you think of when you hear the word success? Fame, status, and fortune? What about rocking your baby to sleep or coaching Little League? Advocating for your special needs child or mastering meal planning? Maybe going back to school or starting your own business? The truth is success looks different for us all, and it may change depending on the season of life you're in. After finding myself in a dark place, I decided to set an example for my two boys by intentionally choosing what I wanted for my life and seeking it, even if it was scary. And now I'm so excited to bring you stories of other moms who are living out their version of success. I plan to ask these incredible women not only about their journeys, but how they are making it through the madness and the magic that we all know as motherhood. So, whether your assistant just brought you a hot espresso or you're rocking your baby on a third cup of reheated coffee, settle in and get ready for some goodness. I'm Shannon Carruthers, and this is the Successful Mama Podcast. Well, hello, Mama, and welcome to this week's episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Carruthers. I am obviously a podcaster, um, but I'm also a habit and success coach, and I work with moms to help them create an intentional life they love, even in the chaos of motherhood. And I love that each week I get to bring you new episodes with guests, wonderful, wonderful guests, moms who are living out their own journey of success, and they all look so differently. And I think that it's great because we can learn so much from each one, even if our journeys look very different. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to this week's guest. Miss Jessica Johnson is joining us today. And Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm excited you're here. I'm excited to be here. Have you done a podcast before? I have not. This is my first time and I'm so excited. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Um, So why don't you, if you will, just go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little more about you. Sure. Um, I am currently serving as the president of Junior League of Huntsville, which is a big honor. Um, And I am a mother to two. I have a nine-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter. Um, I also do freelance graphic design, marketing, um, help my husband with his practice. He's an orthodontist. you know, just like all the other mamas out there wearing a lot of hats, doing all the things. A lot of hats, for <laughs> sure. And um, I love this. I wanted to to just give you a second because before the podcast, we were talking and you've come in and you've seen the studio, the setup. And just so you know, if you're listening, um, the, the studio is set up in what used to be my kids' playroom at Grammy's house. Okay, so my mom lets us use her upstairs bedroom, and we have converted it into a pot, half of it into a podcast studio, and the other half is still like the bed. And we have some monkeys in here, like little stuffed animals that are our audience. But, so cute. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I just wanted you to share your um, your thoughts on the studio and all that. Yes. Yeah, so as soon as I got here, so never been on a podcast before, but love a good podcast. Love to listen to them all the time. Um, and so it's a great metaphor for motherhood because, you know, you listen to the podcast and it just sounds like two people talking, having a chill conversation over coffee, but it's a whole production. There's a whole lot that goes into it of like how to get the sound right. You know, we've got lights in here, all different kinds of equipment, batteries, you know, and that's how motherhood is. You know, a lot of times we just see the highlights. We don't see all the work that goes into it, the invisible work that moms do in their brain of keeping up with, you know, soccer schedules, football schedules, band practice, all that kind of stuff. Yes, I love that. She said that I was like, you have to share. That's so good because it's true, right? Like we just see the good stuff. And so getting a, a little dose of seeing behind the scenes, I think is really important and remembering like, Everybody has that behind the scenes that we're not actually seeing. I love that. I love like I think that's what your podcast is. It's just like a little glimpse into the behind the scenes, like the real life moments. 
Um, and it's so important that we share those too. Absolutely. So with that, we have got um, a great episode for you guys today. I mean, we haven't recorded it. Obviously, we're doing that now, but I already know it's going to be good. (laughs) Um, And so some of the stuff we're going to talk about is we're going to talk a little bit on dyslexia today. We're going to talk about Junior League of Huntsville um, and volunteering and that sort of thing. Um, But we're also going to talk about uh, Jessica's husband and his orthodontics. Orth, I can't talk. Orthodontics practice. That's perfect. Um, and uh, but but Jessica's role in that and how you help to you know bring that to what it is today, um, and and what it was like in the beginning, all of that <laughs> stuff. Um, and so anyway, just stay tuned because I just wanted to give you a little scoop of what was to come. And with that, let's get started into your story, shall we? Yeah, that sounds great. So I want to start. We met um, at a Catalyst event where you were speaking, and I learned a lot about you and your story, and I was like, I have to have her on the podcast. And so let's go back and start with your kind of childhood, going into college, that sort of thing, and then we'll go from there. Okay, that sounds great. Um, Yes, that was such a great opportunity and event, and you know, at first I had no idea why they had me speak, but maybe it was so I could meet cool people like you. Yeah. Um, so growing up, uh, I struggled in school. I was a bright kid. I was really smart. And I would hear a lot of, look, she's not living up to her potential. You need to try harder. Um, you know, you're just not applying yourself. And I struggled with grades. Um So fast forward, I get into college and um, living in the dorms for a few months and being surrounded by my peers, I could tell that I worked very differently than they did. And it took me a lot longer to study for a test or to just get homework done. And I thought, I'm not stupid and I know I'm smarter than this guy over here and he just parties all the time, doesn't even go to class. (laughs) And I thought, I need to look into this. Like, what is going on? Um, And long story short, I was diagnosed with dyslexia and uh, ADD. And well, that made sense. It answered a lot of questions. Um, And it was also a relief because it was like, oh, I'm not crazy. I really was working hard. Um, I really was doing the best I could. My brain just works differently. And it's not necessarily wired to be successful in a more traditional academic setting. Right, right. And so I'm curious to know with, you know, where you are now and seeing, I, I guess, the experiences that you've been through and the adjustments that I'm assuming that you've put into place, knowing, you know, what you have been diagnosed with. Um, what do you wish you would have had as a child? What do you wish that someone would have said to you then versus, you know, the way that you actually went through life experiencing it? Ooh, that's such a good question. I love that. Um, well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, So I, I wish I would have, you know, lived in Huntsville and gotten to go to Greengate like my kids do, <laughs> um, which is a special school um, or a special portion of school for dyslexic students. Um, I wish that, you know, these advances and this training, you know, teachers have been trained to recognize what it was. Um, I, I think I kind of wish, honestly, if I could go back I just really needed somebody to give me like the benefit of the doubt. Like, what if she really is trying as hard as she can? Like, you know, instead of thinking, just making that assumption, like, well, you're smart and you didn't get a good grade, but you do well, like on, you know, standardized tests. So, you know, there's some sort of a disconnect there. But and it's not to to blame anybody, you know, from my childhood, because they just didn't know. You of don't course. know what you they don't did the know. best they could. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And I think we have so much more information now at our fingertips, obviously at our fingertips, we can literally look up so much on our phones, that they didn't even have the answers to when they were going to doctors or going to, you know, different places. And so the information is just readily available now. Yes, it 
kind of makes me feel like a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But I mean, back in my day, <laughs> I walked 18 <laughs> miles to school in the snow. <laughs> I remember my dad teaching me to look up things. We had the big like Encyclopedia Britannica, mm-hmm. you know, like, and if you wanted oh, yeah. to know something, you had to go find the book that might have the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I told my boys about that the other day. I was like, did you know that when I was in school, we had to go to the library and sit and pull out these these big collections of encyclopedias. You didn't have them at home because they were too expensive. You had to go to the library and you could look it up. And that's how you did your research and things like that. They were like, what? That's... (laughs) I know. I mean, it sounds archaic now. Um, thankfully, we've advanced and things are much better. It definitely made my life easier. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it's true. And we just you don't know what you don't know. Right. Well, and I think that it's important for you. I, I love that you said you wish somebody would have given you the benefit of a doubt. And recognizing the importance of that for us as mothers to pay attention to our kids and to see in them, like to actually listen, if they are, you know, confiding something in us to be that support person and to be that advocate for them to go, okay, this may not seem like this on the surface. Let's look a little deeper. Let's see what's here and to be able to be that person for them. So I love that you said that. Yes, absolutely. Um, Okay. So from there, go to college. Tell me, tell me about college. Go to college. So that was my freshman year. Um, that I got diagnosed. And, um, you know, like I said, at first, huge just relief. There is something powerful about just having a name to put to the experience you're having. Right. Um, And I realized that I was eligible for certain things like longer time on tests or, um, you know, that kind of thing or getting you know, an audio version of a textbook, which is not a big deal now. But again, like, I'm almost 40. So this is, you know, way back when. <laughs> and we didn't have audio textbooks back in my day. Right. Um, back in my day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, and I tried that out at first, but I, I didn't really like being singled out or taking my test somewhere different. And it actually seemed to not be helpful or necessary. Um, So just knowing like, okay, this is what I have to do to study. Like repetition for me is, um, is the way I learn. And sometimes, I mean, if it's a spelling word, you know, I have to write it 10 times and then I have it um, for dyslexics. Like it stays in my long-term memory because I don't really have good short-term memory. (laughs) Um, So, you know, just making those little adjustments and um, And knowing that about myself. Right. And and I want to ask you another question that comes up when you're talking about that, because, you know, you said you studied, you know, so much longer than everybody else or you did that repetitious behavior because you had to in order to learn. That's a lot of work. How do you feel like or do you feel like that has impacted other areas of your life where you're having to put forth extra effort? Has that played into that at all? That's a really good question. Um, I guess I haven't really kind of considered that because I don't know different. Um, And maybe that was a good thing of like going through school, growing up and not knowing any different. Um, It it didn't feel like extra work at the time. It just felt like what I needed to do. But I will say sometimes it is overwhelming. And I don't know if it's like the ADD part where I feel like I'm either all or nothing because ADD isn't really a lack of attention. It's just kind of like a lack of regulating your attention because I can hyper-focus. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it makes life better if you don't have to like hyper-focus and stay up all night before a test. <laughs> right. <laughs> that certainly is. Um Okay, so let's keep going in your story. So moving forward, you graduate from college. Yes, graduated from college. Um, I got my degree in public relations. um, And during that process, I had discovered um, a love for graphic design. You know, I was on the yearbook committee. I liked doing layouts. Um, And so after graduating from Sanford, I went on to UAB and took graphic design classes 
and started working um, at this cute little stationery store, designing wedding invitations. It was super fun. That's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. And then from there? Then then from there, um, I started dating my husband when I was in college, um, and he was in dental school, um, and he was graduating, and we got married. Um, I feel like I was 24. I'm like, we were babies. I have no idea what we were doing. So here's the question. Did you design your wedding invitations? Yes, yes. I did. <laughs> and you know what's funny about it is because I started taking these design classes. Um, and when I was listening to the podcast that you did with Tiffany, mm-hmm. and she was talking about the first pictures she took yes. as a photographer, I knew that I wanted to design my wedding invitation, and I would regret it if I didn't. But I also knew that I would probably look back and maybe cringe because (laughs) I was like, I hope I'm going to get better. But I did. And I'm glad that I designed it. And um, one of my favorite wedding gifts that we got was somebody framed our invitation. Oh, I love that. Did you did you cringe? Do you cringe when you see it? Or I I, mean, obviously, like there's good memories. I honestly I don't because I've been able to say like, I know where I was in my headspace when I did that. And like, look, I I tried it, even though I knew it wasn't going to be perfect. I'm still glad I did it. Yes, that's such a great perspective on it. And like one that I know we're much more familiar with now, especially pushing towards our kids. But I think in back in the day, (laughs) it was it was much harder because I feel like there was much more of a perfectionistic you know, structure pushed on us. Like if you can't do it right, don't do it at all. Absolutely. And yeah, so I feel like that mindset is something that I've kind of had to unlearn. Do you feel like that's true for you too? A hundred percent. I mean, we would hear things like if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Absolutely. Um, Practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. And so, and now I tell my kids practice makes progress. Yes. And I love that so much because perfection is just... And uh, nothing wrong with our parents. I mean, they they didn't know. And we didn't realize how much we were probably internalizing that. Right. Um, and, you know, perfection's just unrealistic. Absolutely. Well, and you know that our kids, when, you know, they're grown, they're going to go, well, our parents didn't know any better. They did all these <laughs> things to us. But, you know, it's it's we do the best we can with the information we have, like you talked about. And I think that's what we saw with our parents' generation. And this is how we're having to, you know, to deal with it is to unlearn certain things and relearn and try to change that for the next generation. A hundred percent. I heard it described um, recently, and I'm sorry to whoever described it. I would credit you, but I have ADD and I can't remember who it is. <laughs> um, I heard it described as like um, our parents' ceiling is our floor. Oh. And I was like, I love that. And I hope that through this parenting process that like if my kids have kids and I'm a grandparent that I will remember that and recognize it. And, and I hope that my ceiling is their floor and that they do even better. I love that so much. Um, I think I I constantly am telling like when, whenever I can have this conversation, you know, I'm, I'm saying like my job as a mom is to make sure my kids are better than I am. If they can become better people than I am, I've done something right. Yes. And so I love that, you know, my ceiling is their floor. So good. So good. Um, Okay. So I want to get into talking about the orthodontics practice and what that looked like in the beginning. What was your role in that? So let's go to 2012. Is that right? Yes. 2012. So just a little bit before that, we get married and then we move to Iowa where my husband does his residency for orthodontics. Um, and we knew we wanted to come back to Alabama. So we come to Huntsville and um, decide that he's going to open up his own practice. He had thought about, you know, maybe joining somebody else's practice, trying to buy somebody's practice that was ready to retire. Um, But I told him, I think you can do this. I think you should just go for it. And at that point, we really had nothing to lose. Like, literally, we just owed money. So why not owe some more money? (laughs) Sure. And I was shocked that banks would willingly give us a loan for this. I was like, we have, okay. Um, But I think that um, 
people in the dental profession have a pretty uh, high rate of success. So it's a pretty safe bet. And uh, I really believed in Nathan and knew that he would be great at this. Um, So there we go. We're going to open this practice. And part of that was finding office space and building it out. And again, I mean, we were just kids and that was such an adventure. And so he would, he worked for somebody else in Decatur a few days a week. And that's the money that we lived off of. And I would be at the office every day. You know, I was our contractor being there, making sure people were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And sadly, they weren't always. And I wasn't their favorite person. Uh-oh. But so you were very, you held them accountable, though. You, are you Do you mind confrontation? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, like, if you do the uh, disc personality mm-hmm. thing, I'm an ID. So I have that D in me. And it's not that I, I don't want people to think that I'm confrontational. I don't love to, but I, I will, I'm happy to hold people accountable, especially at that time in my mind. I mean, I was like, this is borrowed money. I, you know, I want to get what I paid for. And, yeah. um, and I, I'm, most contractors are fantastic. This was an interesting experience and such a great learning experience. I mean, I'm talking, this was like egregious stuff. Like they put in a thermostat that didn't actually control anything. We were supposed to have two AC units and they only gave us one. And then they put in like a pretend thermostat and thought that wow, maybe I wouldn't notice. <laughs> oh my gracious. Some of the stuff that, yeah, people try to get away with sometimes is a bit much. Um, yeah. So good for you for catching that. I don't think, you know, I'm not very confrontational, but if it's something like that, I can be, I can be very firm. And so I'm pretty sure that one I wouldn't have let slide. <laughs> right. You definitely have to pick your battles. But that was one that I thought, you know, we're going to need this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, you know, now we're years later, right? The, yes. the practice is doing very well. And I'm sure people look and go, oh, wow, well, that must be nice, you know, to have this thriving practice and all these patients and all of that. But I think that it's really easy to look at the middle of someone's story and not to always look back at the beginning of where it started and that struggle that goes along with it, kind of like you were talking about with your graphic design and, Mm -hmm. you know, the learning process that comes along with it. So tell me from your perspective, what was it like in those beginning stages? What did you learn? You know, what were the struggles that you guys went through? We learned so much. So I actually moved to Huntsville, I think two weeks before my husband, our lease was up in Iowa and he still had two weeks of school and some um, some of his co-residents were very generous and took him in as their roommate. And so I came back to deal with the construction down here. Um, and so I learned to put on my boss pants and say, hey, no, it's not OK to be six feet off on the plumbing. That's going <laughs> to cause an issue. You're going to have to redo that. And it's not my fault that you didn't measure. No, <laughs> um, You know, and just learning to be frugal with things. I mean, going to Ikea and picking out uh, the furniture for the waiting room and uh, assembling all the Ikea furniture. Um, And huge shout out to especially my in-laws. Like They were so instrumental in helping us and they came and, um, you know, Nathan's aunt too. They, um, his family's great. They'll show up and help anytime. So it was definitely a family effort putting it together. And then for the first two years, um, it was mostly the two of us in the office, and that definitely had its ups and downs. I think I quit a couple times, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but your boss let you come back. Yes. Um. So you know, we we made it work. But I remember just trying to get that process down of having a patient and what's it going to look like when, you know, what's their experience going to be like? And my husband and I have very different personality types, which is great because we balance each other out. Yes. But it can be hard because also, yes, we'll be working towards the same goal, but we will not want to go about it the same way at all. (laughs) Uh I get that for sure. Um, 
So I'm curious to know in those beginning stages, you know, you're living on love, right? You said you just owed money. Um, living on love and student loans. Right. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> was Was there ever a time when you felt like maybe you weren't making the right choices? Like maybe you should quit? Um, just in the heat of the moment, those few days when I quit at the office, but I think I was really more trying to prove a point. (laughs) Um, honestly, I really, I don't think so. I knew that Nathan was going to be successful and I thought, you know, this is at that time we didn't have kids yet. So it was easier for me to say, Hey, let's all, let's be all in on this. Let's go for it because we literally have nothing to lose. We have nothing. So. If it doesn't work out, we'll still have nothing. Right. (laughs) Well, and and let me ask you this, because when I'm I'm hearing you talking about this and you keep saying we, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Like we are doing this together. Do you think without that support of one another, maybe you would have had different thoughts on the whole process? Like, I, I feel like. The reason I'm asking, I'll kind of give you a bit of inside of inside my head is I'm essentially thinking about so many people go into business and it's a long road and they often don't have support. They don't have the family that comes and helps build things at the office. They don't have the spouse who's on board and on their team and saying, you can do this. I believe in you. Um, and, And I think that the story we begin to tell ourselves looks a little bit differently Um, especially in those beginning stages when it's really hard. So I'm curious, do you think things would have looked differently for you or maybe your husband from your perspective if you didn't have each other on board? Absolutely. I love that question too. And I love that perspective. Um, If you don't have that safety net, if you don't have anybody backing you and, you know, just the way life goes, sometimes that's how it is. That makes it 10 times harder. And I don't think that that's something that we take time to acknowledge always Um, the difference in our personalities is that I wasn't for me there was no other option it was all or or nothing nothing. and you know I'm also like a big dreamer and go big or go home and it's great that my husband can be like okay let's keep our feet on the ground and you know we have to be realistic about this. So it was good to balance each other out. But we, oh man, we rented this house when we first moved here. It was a very authentic 1950s rancher. And by authentic, I mean nothing had been updated. <laughs> yes. Oh, there were nice stove. I oh, bet. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Actually, the dishwasher was nice because, you know, back then they didn't have, you know, it actually got really hot and oh, it worked quick. Yeah. And so anyway, um. It was just being in a new place, not knowing people. And I remember we'd work at the office all day and then we'd get home to this little rental house that, bless its heart, it just wasn't so great. And we would look at each other and I'd be like, wow, it's just you. It's still you. You're still here. And I'm sure he felt the same (laughs) way. Oh, you again, still here. (laughs) Well, we've been talking and, you know, so much of your story that I wanted to share about um, with with everyone is a little bit before kids, but I want to get into motherhood. So let's venture into that um, and, and talk me through what that transition was like and, you know, running the practice while welcoming new babies in the picture. Yes, that was a fun new adventure. Um, I clearly don't like free time. So we just went from one to the other. Uh, So year two of the practice, I found out that I was pregnant. We were so excited um, with my son. And uh, I stayed stayed on at the office. I think my third trimester, we um, hired Melanie and she started you know, taking on some of the tasks that I was doing. And thankfully, Melanie is still with us. We love you. You're a gem. Thank you. You're the best. Um, It was not always easy, especially towards the end. I just got, I am, I'm not a great pregnant person. Pregnancy is different. Some people love it and they are glowing. I I just kind of blow up and it's not the best. (laughs) Um, but it, it was interesting. So then Eli was born and, um, you know, it's such a roller coaster. I did, my water broke and I remember everybody 
telling me, you know, we took the parenting classes and talking to everybody else who's had babies. And they said, well, it's not like in the movies, like when your water breaks, it's not like, you know, all this water and then you go to the hospital and, you know, it's probably not going to be like that. So right. don't No, mine. Mine was is <laughs> like in the movies, the water broke and it was like, OK, this is this is a lot. But luckily, we live really close to the hospital. It was, got up and um, went in and then had to have emergency C-section because I found out that uh, my son was breech, which I I knew I'd tried to explain. That's a different podcast, yes, though, you know, yes. whole thing. Uh, but he was born super healthy um, and that was great. Took him home and then went on the roller coaster journey of being new parents, which was it's wild. Oh, absolutely. That's a just a season of its own that I mean, nothing can really prepare you like you can know kids, you can understand the idea of what to expect. But until you have that little one, like looking up at you, screaming at you, you know, that you are the person that is in charge of this other tiny human, like you, nobody can prepare you for that. Nothing can prepare you for it. And it's one of those situations where ignorance is bliss. Yes. It's probably good. <laughs> yes. I didn't know. I would have been terrified. <laughs> I remember thinking, I'm not qualified I don't know why they think I'm qualified. Uh -huh. Like, why Why am I in charge of this person? They're so tiny. They just feel so fragile at first. Yes. But babies are actually not as fragile as we think, and they're more resilient, and you can. You can do it, Mama. Absolutely. Absolutely. So baby girl, when she enters the world, is that a little bit easier of a transition with, you know, you've gone through this process once before? Um. What's interesting, I think, about motherhood is you would think like it's going to be a little bit easier because you do know what to expect. And then you just get thrown like a whole different adventure. Mm -hmm. And yes, you're like, oh, OK, well, that's not how it went last time. OK, it's a new adventure. We're just going to do it. Um, so my kids are only about 20 months apart. Um, it was a little complicated towards the end with my daughter because um, I had preeclampsia. Um, but luckily that worked out fine. I had a different doctor, had a great experience. Um, and it was, but it's still such a fog, you know, those first few weeks of motherhood. Absolutely. Well, I think the transition, you know, I know you said it you think it's going to be the same and it's just not, it's a whole different ball game. And I know that that my boys are 22 months apart and that transition for me was so much harder than the first. The first was fine. Like I, you know, I mean, I was tired and I struggled with all the things that we all struggle with, but like, I think I was as mentally prepared for it as I could have been, but the one to two, you know, they say one's one and two's a million. Yes. I truly felt that in my soul and it was such a hard adjustment. It it was. It I totally feel that. I mean, having a toddler and a brand new baby, well, it made me realize that, you know, when my son was born, I would spend time just staring at him, watching him <laughs> yes. breathe. And I was like, why did I do that? He's still, he's fine. That's I don't need to be paying attention to that. Um, it's just it's it's so funny. Yeah, I, I love it. I love I love talking to new moms too, like and just being able to reminisce about where I was at that stage, you know, and and also talking to seasoned moms who because I remember my sister in law, Amber, um, she has four boys and wow. the oldest just graduated from high school. So she, you know, was ahead of me in that journey. And so I remember her coming, you know, to the house and the boys being, you know, being boys and doing all the things. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I just have this newborn baby and I'm like focused on him nonstop. And if he did what the third child had done, you know, then I wouldn't know what to do. Whereas she was just like, oh, it's fine. He's, you know, and now I can see that side of things that I'm at this point with my kids, like they're older. I've been there. I've done that. I don't blink an eyelash, you know, at, at some of the stuff they do now versus, I don't know, just looking at the different stages of motherhood and, and where we are. I agree. I think having my daughter made me a better mom. It's probably the best thing that could have happened for both of them because 
when you have more than one, then you have to start prioritizing things and you have to learn what you can let go. Right. That's true for sure. Um, Okay. So let's keep going because I want to talk about Junior League and how this, um, first of all, why don't you tell our listeners that are not familiar because we have Number one, we have listeners from all over, but we also have people who are not familiar with what is Junior League of Huntsville. So the Junior League of Huntsville is a nonprofit organization, a women's organization. Um, we focus on volunteering, improving communities, and training women to be effective leaders. And we are part of the um, International Association of Junior Leagues, um, and their vision is women as catalysts for change around the world. And um, it is, it's, I think, on four different continents. There's most major cities in the U.S. have a chapter, which I love, um, especially because with the military, there's a lot of people coming in and out of Huntsville. Right. And so if you join here and you get moved to Washington, D.C., then you have an automatic connection to join that group and, you know, get networked with them, get connected um, and make some friends. Yeah, I love that. And and so you decided to join that pretty early on when you were here. How did you how did you find Junior League? What was the thing that drew you to it? Well, it's honestly my best friend that I made when I got to Huntsville, who also became my next door neighbor. She was wonderful. She suggested it. She was part of it. And it was it was a great way for me to meet people because I didn't grow up in Huntsville and uh, to get plugged into the community and learn about our area and the different things that we have going on. Awesome. And so through the years, you have done a lot of different things with the organization and um, a lot of different opportunities that you've had. But the most recent one. Yes. So, yes. Fast forward a decade (laughs) later, and I find myself being the president of the organization, um, which is funny. But. I love the league because it could ebb and flow with the different chapters of life. Like when I had my kids, I was able to do some graphic design work for them. And that was how I contributed. And I got to do more of that from home. Um, But it was also a great reason to get out of the house sometimes and have some me time. Right. Which as a new mom, everybody knows all the mamas out there. That's important. Um, And somebody one of the friends that I made in the league kept encouraging me to take on different roles and maybe stretch myself a little. And I I found myself on the membership side of it. And I really loved it because as you can tell, I love talking, right? I love people. Um, And I really kind of developed a passion for the organization on that side. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, the way that you carry yourself and the way that you, you know, talk to others and things like that. I mean, I think that it, from what I know of you, I mean, it seems to be a really great fit for you and who you are. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I want to, um, to talk a little more because basically now you have, have you stepped away from the orthodontist practice more or are you still involved there some? I'm a little bit involved, very much in the background, and that was wonderful, being able to work myself out of that full-time position, and we've been able to hire an awesome team. You know, my husband's very fortunate. He is surrounded by smart, capable women who keep him in line every single day, and I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So I'm curious, with where you are now, the direction that life is going, If you go back to that college girl who is graduating, you know, public relations and then interested in graphic design, is this where you saw yourself ending up? Is this what you kind of wanted for life to be like? Or do you feel like you have changed direction somewhere along the way? Good question. I think that I'm where I wanted to be. I definitely don't think that I could have foreseen the road that it took to get here. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the adventure, uh, the journey was an adventure. And, but in the end, it all works out. And I think I would tell college me, you can do it. Believe in yourself. I think that's an important lesson for all mamas. And it's one that the universe just keeps giving me over and over. And just 
do trust yourself, believe in yourself. Everything's figure outable. Yes, for sure. I love that. Um, and if you're not familiar that everything is figure outable, there's a, a book by Marie Forleo that she talks about. Her mom said that she said everything is figure outable. And she has kind of used that along her journey. And she, you know, she's someone who has become very successful, um, in her business and that sort of thing. So anyway, I, when you said that, I was like, yeah, everything she's, is figureoutable. She's so great. I um I heard her on the Oprah podcast. Oh, I see. Talking about it. She's so and good. Yes. I'm yes. I'm glad that you knew her name because I yes, yes give I, credit where credit's due. <coughs> Goodness. Um okay. So, let's go a little bit forward now. We're going to circle back because we talked about um, you know, your journey with dyslexia and you mentioned that your kiddos are at the Green Gate. Um, in the Green Gate program. Um, And you said, did you talk about, I can't remember if we talked about that before the podcast or on. So why don't you tell everybody what is the Green Gate program um, and what does that offer for kiddos? Sure. Thank you for asking. Um, My kids, we are very fortunate. The good news is those tough years in the beginning of starting the ortho practice, the Huntsville community is great. My husband's a really hard worker combined, he now has a very successful practice. And so we were fortunate enough to be able to send our kids to Randolph. And within Randolph, they have a Green Gate program, which is one of only 18 programs, I believe, in the entire country um, that's Orton-Gillingham based just for students with dyslexia. And it's amazing because, you know, my kids are in second and third grade, so they have um, a homeroom that is their dyslexia class, but they go to PE and recess and lunch and art and music with all the other kids. And it's not like they're singled out or they feel like they're in, you know, a different special class. So I love that. It's, it's an amazing program. Um, and I just... It's another one of those things like maybe a God wink or the universe or whatever it is you want to call it, because we didn't know that when we chose Huntsville, we didn't even have we didn't have kids yet. We didn't have that on our radar. And I just thought, wow, how amazing that of all the places we could have wound up. They're here. Yeah. And, And I'm curious to know with your kids, you know, if you don't mind me asking, what were some of the things that you noticed with them to look for? Um, you know, how did you recognize, hey, they may need to be tested for this. They may need some extra attention or extra, you know, tools, resources. That is such a great question. And the honest answer is that I didn't, which you would think I'm dyslexic. I was so afraid of projecting, you know, my dyslexia or my ADD and just assuming that that's what my kids had and I didn't want to assume. And my son started kindergarten in 2020 during the pandemic. I mean, shout out to all the mamas there who just survived that. Yeah. I mean, that was kindergarten during a pandemic is not that's where my son was too. And it was mm -mm, no, No. it's it's no good. So it was hard to say is this reading difficulty because we had COVID kindergarten or is this something more than that? And what I've learned is that the world has come a long, long way since I was in school. And they have, you know, his teachers were so well trained to see these things. And his teacher sat me down and she said, hey, when we do the testing, he's so smart. And when I hear him talk, I know he's so smart. And then when we do a spelling test, it's not so great. And I think that it might be worth looking into this. And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's look into it. And I mean, he's a classic case for dyslexia. And I remember thinking, well, I do we get my daughter tested? I don't want to just make an assumption again. I don't want to just assume because and luckily it wasn't much long after that, that her teacher said, hey, and I said, you know what, I know dyslexia has a genetic component, and I have it and her brother has it. So yes, let's, yes. Um, let's get her tested. I remember my, my husband <laughs> saying, really, both of them. Okay. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's, um, you know, I don't see dyslexia as a disability. I actually think that it is a strength. Our brains are wired differently, but especially for the future. 
uh, right wing thinkers are are going to be the future leaders. So, I mean, my kids think they're like in an advanced class. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think um, you and I were talking before. I just I have a heart for kiddos who are struggling in different ways and need those extra resources, whether it be, you know, something towards, um, you know, special classes or um, extra time on tests or, you know, whatever that is to meet them where they are. And so I love the fact that not only your teacher or your kiddos teachers were able to recognize that at such an early stage, but also that they're getting these resources now. Do you think that that's going to impact their lives differently than if they were to get those resources or that diagnosis at a later state like you did? Absolutely. And I thought about that a lot, too. And one of the things I think when I first became a mother, I wondered if and being worried about projecting or I I wondered, well, was that struggle necessary? Was is the is the struggle if you're not diagnosed and you go through, is that what gives you grit, you know? And I still think that they'll have plenty of grit without having to deal with that obstacle. I remember, you know, you meet with the specialist after they do the testing and they talk about, you know, the process of getting into the Green Gate program. And I remember poor woman I'm just like boohooing in her office just thinking my kids are never going to hear a teacher say they're not trying hard enough and that they recognized how hard they were trying and I just thought that was amazing and then to see them in this program where the way they learn is the way they're taught is just geared towards the way their brain is wired and the way that they learn. And it has been magical. Actually, my son woke up this morning early on his own because he's reading this series of books and he really wanted to finish his book. I love that. I loved it so much. I was so excited. (laughs) Those little moments like that as a mom are just so exceptional. Like, People don't understand until you experience it yourself. Like those things mean the world to you, even though they may not seem like anything big to anybody else. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Um, So with that, we are getting close to being out of time. And I hate that this has been such a good conversation. I feel like we could just keep going. I I love to talk. I love talking to you. This has been great. I could stay all day. Me too. Um, So I do want to ask you the question that I ask all my guests, which is what does success mean to you? I think it's something that we touched on a little earlier um, about just doing the best I can with what I have where I am and trying to not put pressure on myself to do more or be more, just celebrating where I am, being able to, and I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to do work that I find fulfilling um, and make time to fill up that memory bank with great memories with my kiddos. I love that. Such a good answer. And I think it's really important that you, you know, you said that about doing the best I can where I am not looking back at where you were previously and going, well, I should have done this. I should have done better, but you did the best you could with what you had then. Right. And so giving yourself that grace along the way. And I just think that's really um, insightful that you're recognizing that as success. Like in this moment, this is the best I can do with what I have. Yes. All mamas deserve grace. Give yourself grace because we're so willing to extend it to other people. We need to remember to give it to ourselves. Absolutely. For sure. Um, Okay. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to just share where everyone can find you because I know they're going to want to learn more about Junior League. They may need to come get some braces. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yes. So you can learn more about Johnson Orthodontics at Huntsville Ortho on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok because... Gen Z at the office is awesome, and they make really fun videos. And you can learn about Junior League uh, on Facebook, Junior League of Huntsville, Instagram, JL Huntsville. I believe that's right, at JLH. That's how we abbreviate it. Or you can find me on Instagram at Jess G. Johnson. And if I've given you the wrong information, 
I will send you in the right direction. <laughs> and you can also send me those links. I'll, I'll look them up or you can send them to me and um, I will put them on the website at SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com. So you can head over there and find um, all of that information and you can jump directly to all of those good places. So with that being said, um, I want to ask you just a few rapid fire questions that I ask all my guests. Yes. So the first one is, what is your coffee order? Okay. Well, this morning it was a vanilla latte. So mm, I love a good latte. Yes. Um, okay. Number two is how clean does your house stay on a scale of one to 10 on average? Okay. So I knew that you asked these questions because yes. I listened to your podcast. And so I'm very fortunate. I have a wonderful housekeeper. She comes on Mondays. On Mondays, I'm at a 10. That's awesome. And then the rest of the week is a roller coaster. And by <laughs> Sunday, we're probably down to one. Yes. Let's just, and I'll be honest, there are some times where I'm like, just skip the playroom. It cannot be helped. It kind of stays at a three. But the beauty of that is I just close the doors and keep on That's going. That's a great, great <laughs> thing. Yes. We just recently transitioned. We So our house is just, we've got one room for each kid, but we stuck them in the same room together so they could have a playroom. So we had a bedroom and a playroom. Love and it that. was great when we renovated. Well, then they wanted their own rooms. So then we put them in their own rooms. And then there was a whole thing. But we have just recently moved them back into the same sleep room. And we have a playroom again. And I'm not going to lie. I am so excited to have like all the stuff in one room, close the door. It's fine. Yes. I'd or love, don't. Or, or don't. Just or don't. It. And it's matter. fine. And yep. it's a playroom. And that's what it's supposed exactly. to be. And I love those like true friends that they can come over. And my playroom's at a one. And they don't bat an eye. Because yep. they have kids too. Yep. And we all know how it goes. So. Oh, you get it. For sure. Okay. Question number three is what is a book or show that you love? Okay. I am loving uh, my friend Brittany Pruitt from Junior League. She just gifted me Wolfpack by Abby Wambach. Mm-hmm. And... It's amazing. It is such a great book. Every woman needs to read it. I love it. I have heard good things about that. I haven't read it, but I've heard good things. So it's incredible. I'll add it to my list. Okay. And last but not least, what is the most random item you have in your purse? Okay. Let's. Oh, no. I looked because I knew because I was listening to the podcast on the way over (laughs) here. It is. Um, oh, I have a really sweet friend, and um, my daughter left a necklace that she had made at summer camp. She left it at her house, and my friend returned it to me um, because she has her life together. But I have, <laughs> being, but because I have ADD, I still haven't even returned it to my daughter, so it's still hanging out <laughs> in my purse. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Well, Jessica, this has been so much fun. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure. Yes. Well, Mama, you have a great week. Thanks for listening. Go take a second and leave a review for us if you don't mind. Just it takes two seconds. Click five stars. Say something you love about the podcast. I love reading those and getting your feedback. Uh, Make sure you're following on Instagram at Successful Mama Podcast. And we will see you next week on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. For more information, head on over to SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode. Tap that share button and remember to tag at Successful Mama Podcast. And make sure to go leave a review. It really does help. A special thanks to Will Carruthers. Until next time, remember, Mama, success looks more than one way, and it's up to you to define it.